Welcome to Hymology on the Gospel Radio Network, a program sponsored by the Mars Hill Church of Christ, located at 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. You may contact us by phone at 615-203-3637. If you would like more information about our congregation or this program, you may visit our website at www.marshillcoc.org. We invite you to join us every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And now, here is your host, Brother Kyle Webb. Welcome once again to Hymology. I'm your host, Kyle Webb, and I thank you for joining us today. Hymology is the study of the hymns and songs that we often sing in our worship services, and today's song of study is going to be Purer in Heart, O God. Some of our lessons are joined uh, to another lesson, maybe by theme or maybe by authorship, and this is one that is joined to our last lesson on I Am Resolved by virtue of its music author. James H. Fillmore. The words are written by Fanny E.C. Davison. As we look at the hymn history of this song, the words were written by Fanny E.C. Davison in 1877. Fanny Estelle Church Davison was born in 1851 in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, to parents Philo and Sarah Ann Linstead church. Her father was killed when she was just 10 years old. Her mother was remarried to a man named Henry Christian Warner, and the family then relocated to Carthage, Missouri, where Mr. Warner owned a hotel. Fanny Davison married one Asa Lee Davison, who was a court reporter. They settled first in Chicago, Illinois, and later moved to Madison, Wisconsin. They had two daughters, Myrtle Estelle, born in 1871, and Iva Bell, born in 1881. Myrtle married Samuel Boris Brogan, and Iva married Charles M. Jewett. Davison authored several hymns, and most were published by the Fillmore Brothers. Falling on ill health in her early to mid-30s, Davison was cared for by her mother. She died March 10, 1887, at the young age of 36, and was buried in Carthage, Missouri. As I mentioned a moment ago, the music was also written by James H. Fillmore in 1877, and Fillmore is known for his musical contribution to a number of hymns, including the song I Am Resolved that we looked at last week, James Henry Fillmore was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, June 1, 1849, and also died there February 8, 1936. He was the oldest son of Augustus Damon and Hannah Lockwood Fillmore, one of seven children, and brother of Frederick Augustus Fillmore, also known for his work with music. The elder brother was well known as a composer and singing school teacher, using such engagements as a means of supporting the family 
after his father's death in 1865. James, Fred, and their siblings established the Fillmore Brothers Music House in 1870 and are the original publishers of many of the songs we sing today. As to the origination of this hymn, the tune for Purer in Heart, O God, was given the title Gratitude or Pastor and first appeared in Fillmore's Songs of Gratitude, published in 1877, and it is also included in most every hymnal that we use on a regular basis in the Churches of Christ. The information that I gathered came from uh, a book, Hymns and History, an Annotated Survey of Sources by Forrest M. McCann, published in Abilene, Texas, by ACU Press in 1997, uh, one of my favorite resources in regard to the hymns, and a couple of websites that I use on a regular basis, hymnstudiesblog.wordpress.com and also hymnary.org. As we look at this hymn in particular, we begin looking at the context and meaning of it. This hymn is a prayer to God that He help us to be purer in heart. It may be used in a variety of ways, in preparation for worship or a period of prayer, or even as an invitation song. As one of the Beatitudes given by Jesus in his, uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Frank L. Cox, in his Sermon Notes on the Sermon on the Mount, published by Gospel Advocate by, in Nashville in 1955, uh, there, these are some of the things that he says about being pure in heart and about uh, this particular beatitude. Pure gold is gold that is free from dross. A pure heart is the heart that is free from evil. It consists of cleanliness of thought, singleness of purpose, sincerity of motive. To be pure in heart, one must a. think on the right things. Philippians 4 verse 8. b. love the right things. Mark 12 verses 30 and 31 and Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. and c. purpose the right things. Daniel 1, 8, and Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. In regard to the blessing for those who are pure in heart, he says, number one, there is clearness of vision. They shall see. Not natural vision, but spiritual vision. The pure in heart shall understand, appreciate, properly evaluate, Health of the eye gives clearness of natural vision. Health of the heart gives clearness of spiritual vision. And number two, he offers the object of this vision, God. To see God is the soul's deepest longing, its highest possibility. It was the highest felicity 
or happiness of the Orientals to look into the face of their king. A. They shall see God now. In his works, Psalm 19, 1 and following. In his people, Ephesians 4, verse 6. In his book, John 14, verses 8 and 9. And B. They shall see him face to face in eternity. 1 John 3, 2 and Revelation 22 and verse 4. And this is the, the object, the theme of this song, that we be pure in heart so that we too can be blessed as Jesus says that we will be. But as we begin looking at the song, we begin looking at the lyrics, we begin with stanza one. Purer in heart, O God, help me to be. May I devote my life wholly to thee. Watch thou my wayward feet, guide me with counsel sweet. Purer in heart, help me to be. Stanza one begins a prayer that God help us to be purer in heart. And as we look at this song, this is officially a hymn because it is a song that is directed to God. It is directed to him as a prayer that he help us to be purer in heart. Now, how do we uh, become purer in heart? It begins, first of all, with our devotion, our devoting ourselves wholly to his will. This is our part in the process. First of all, by seeking God first. Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is our ultimate aim. And also by seeking his counsel and guidance over that of men. Our, our first reaction when we're faced with some kind of difficulty is to get the advice of our friends and neighbors, uh, often especially those who we know will agree with us. But that's not exactly what we need to do. We need to seek God first. We need to seek His counsel, His guidance. We do so by seeking it in His Word that He has given us. Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, he makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. And in addition to devoting ourselves to the will of God, we are also asking that he guide us, watching our steps and bringing us back into his path when we stray which is his part. We have our part in devoting ourselves to him, but we also have his part and that he guide and direct our steps. A prayer of David when captured by the Philistines in Gath, Psalm 56, verses 12 and 13. He says, Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? 
He will direct us. And as long as we walk in the light of God, as we as long as we walk in his ways, we will not stumble. He will not allow us to fall. We do stumble on occasion. We do fall. But it's not because God is guiding us in that direction. It happens when we turn away from God, when we are not walking in that light. But as long as we walk in his light, he will direct our steps. And that is ultimately our goal. That is our desire. Stanza two of this song, Purer in heart, O God, help me to be. Teach me to do thy will most lovingly. Be thou my friend and guide. Let me with thee abide purer in heart help me to be jesus himself came to do his father's bidding so as we look at these words teach me to do thy will most lovingly let's start with jesus and how jesus did the father's will even as a young boy in luke chapter 2 verses 48 and 49 You'll remember that there were three days in which he was uh, not in his parents' care. They didn't know where he was, and they sought him diligently. They found him in the temple. And it says in verse 48, So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. In verse 49, he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know? that I must be about my father's business? In John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. In Luke 22 and verse 42, he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Speaking of the crucifixion that is to come, But he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We have a great example from Jesus that he came to do his Father's will. He was wholly devoted to doing his Father's will. And if Jesus came to do his Father's will, how much more should we be about doing our Father's will? John 14 and verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. In Luke 11, verses 27 through 28, And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he said, More than that. 
Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. We have a great responsibility as Christians in that we keep the word of God, that we obey the word of God, that we follow in his precepts and that we ultimately long to do his will and his alone. It's not about my will. It's not about the will of anyone else on earth. It's about God's will. And ultimately, our eternity is determined by our willingness to do and to obey the will of God. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus is the friend of the obedient. John 15, verses 9 through 14, he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. When we are obedient to God's will, to Christ's will, he is our friend to the things that he taught us, to the things that that we are given in the Word of God, in our Bibles. We are a friend of God when we are obedient to him. Stanza 3 Purer in heart, O God, help me to be, that I thy holy face one day may see. Keep me from secret sin. Reign thou my soul within. Purer in heart. Help me to be. Here in these lyrics we find our ultimate goal. To see Jesus. That I thy holy face one day may see. Paul writes of Christ's return in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Thessalonians were in ignorance. They did not know about uh, the second coming. They didn't know what it would mean, especially for those who had already died. And so Paul writes to comfort them concerning these matters. Christ's return will be of great comfort to those who are ready and prepared. On the other hand, it will be something that will be uh, less desirable for those who are not prepared, those who stand outside of Christ at that time. If we are faithful to God, if we are obedient to Him and His will, if we uh, have obeyed the gospel in repentance and baptism for the remission of sins, then we have nothing to fear. As long as we continue in the Father's will, we have great comfort in the coming of Christ. Jesus, in comforting his disciples in John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Let not your heart be troubled. We have no reason to be troubled in heart and spirit if we know that God is with us. And if we, are, if we know that we are doing His will. If we know that we are purer in heart or striving to be purer in heart, there's no reason for us to fear the coming of Christ. If we are to see Jesus and to see him in a positive way, in a positive light, and especially his coming, if we are to see all of this in a positive light, we must keep ourselves from sin sin that ultimately comes between us and God. God is holy. He is pure. And so we must be holy and pure if we are to come into his presence. Jesus helps us in part with this in his crucifixion and his resurrection from the dead. In dying for our sins, he gives us the ability to come into the presence of God, but only if we are obedient, only if we are doing the will of God. His blood covers us if we are obedient to the gospel and also faithful in our life. A psalm, a prayer of David, Psalm 19, verses 12 through 14. He says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth 
and to the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We seek God to help us overcome the desires of the flesh that can lead us away from Him. We want Him to help us to, to keep away from sin. We also want His cleansing when we fall to sin. God can help us in this regard. And David saw that. And, and his prayer is that you help me, that you keep back your servant from sin. Don't let them have dominion over me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart ultimately be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. God is the source of our strength. And we should turn to Him as the source of our strength and trust that He can provide for this need. And we have a a great invitation that is offered to all. In the song, it says, Keep me from secret sin. Reign thou my soul within. Christ can reign within our soul. He can rule over our lives. And he ultimately rules over the world, starting from within. But the Lord's invitation to us all, beginning uh, in offering with the church of Laodicea, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Christ can dwell within us. But if he is to dwell within us, it begins with our submission to his will and with our opening the door of our heart to him. And if we open the door of our heart to him, then he can come within and he can live within. He can reign within. And that is what we want to be. We want to be the dwelling place of our Lord. We want Him to dwell within our hearts to keep us from sin, to help us to reach our goal of seeing Jesus, not just in His coming, but for eternity. And in order to do all of these things, we must be purer in heart. And so that is the goal of our life, that we be purer in heart that we trust God to help us to be purer in heart and that we follow in obedience to his will. Thank you for being with me today. I thank you for the support of this program and for listening. And I look forward to being with you once again for another episode of Hymology next Tuesday, Lord willing, at 11 a.m. on TGRN.org. Again, thank you for being with me today. Until we meet again. May God continue to bless you.